Hello, my name is Tamar Haddad. I'm the author of The Future of Palestine, How Discrimination Hinders Change. And you are listening to Cut to the Chase podcast. Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 99. And episode 99 is entitled, Discrimination Hinders Change. And certainly to those listeners that are out there today listening to my words, you know, this has been a very tough topic to talk about. And when this topic is discussed here in the U.S., it really shows the continental divide that we have here in our nation. But one of the things we're going to talk about today as we talk about discrimination hinders change, it's just how discrimination impacts others in other countries and in other foreign lands. And our guest today, such a exciting writer, such a wonderful person who I had the pleasure of meeting through IG and we've had a lot of dialogue. And by the way, she is an author and I mean, she went above and beyond and she sent me a copy of her book, which I've, you know, we're going to talk about some of that today, but I'll tell you, this is something that she's very passionate about. She believes in, in educating, teaching, and ensuring that there's a different light put on discrimination. And so as we jump into this, the first thing I'm going to read, as people always know, I always find a quote, you know, that I like to to bring to the forefront of the storyline that we're going to talk about. And since we're talking about discrimination hinders change, I'm going to lift something from our featured guest book. And it says, history repeats itself. It's what I've heard over and over again. History repeats itself. The oppressed becomes the oppressor. History repeats itself. This is what should change. Mm -hmm. Now, those words, when I read them, are so powerful. I mean, they came right out of her book. And I'll tell you, the persistence in racial inequality in employment, housing, the wide range of social domains that have constantly renewed its interest in the possibility of the roles of discrimination. And yet, unlike the pre-Civil War era or pre-Civil Rights era, when Racial prejudice and discriminations were an overture and widespread. Today's discrimination is less readily identified. And just by me reading that statement, I'm going to capitalize that with the BS because it still is identified in today's society. And so posing problems for social gathering, social scientific, conceptuals, and all types of measurements in our walk of life, discrimination still exists. Mm -hmm. 
Simple as it may be, the one basic question that preoccupies the contemporary literature on discrimination centers around the continued revelation wherein, as in 50 years ago, the acts of discrimination were overturned and widely spread. Today, it's harder to assess the degree into which every day experience the opportunities that may be shaped by the ongoing forms of discrimination. Now, there's a lot of it out there, people. Well, there's black, white, blue, green, religion, you know, sacrificial, you name it. It's all out there. And so today, our featured guest is a social program developer, the author of the book, Future of Palestine, How Discrimination Hinders Change. She was born and raised in a conservative Palestinian society. She learned to think critically and question the given of the norm. When she first started the book, she stated it was mainly for Palestinians and only Palestinians. But after living in the U.S. for two years, she realized that there are other people in the world that have either no knowledge about Palestinian society or have a very limited perspective. She was hugely impacted by her involvement in many phenomenal leadership programs like the International Women's Leadership Program, MP or excuse me, MEPI, Student Leadership Program, and the CGIU. This led her to design and implement her own leadership development project, which has positively impacted her Palestinian community. When not running around between classes and working and modeling and attending UN uh, club meetings, she enjoys traveling and getting to know other cultures and people and defying the stereotypical image as to how it should be portrayed in the media. Now, this young lady has really stepped up to the plate when it comes to discrimination and really is focused in on the education and the necessity of what needs to happen in the world today for change. And without further ado, I would like to introduce Miss Tomorrow. Do you have any open remarks, Tomorrow? Thank you so much, Gregory. That was such a great introduction. Um, it's interesting that the passage that you read, because I didn't know what you were going to read, right? And you read the very first words that I've ever written um, for this book. And um, history repeats itself, right? But you understood mm -hmm. what it really means, because in the context that I wrote those few words, it was meant for the Palestinian uh, context. However, it's really not. Like the first few words are, you can apply them to basically any type of discrimination, because mm -hmm. It just keeps repeating itself and mm -hmm. it's time to change that, right? And it's important to take the first step. It's always the hardest one, but it's important to remind ourselves that, yes, this is the first step. This is where we're going to start from. Because if we don't, the change is never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally, totally wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, you know, it's it's an unruly type of awakening that just, you know, 
one would say when you say, you know, here in America, in the black culture that, you know, people have felt like they've been oppressed for 400 years. Mm -hmm. You know, the first question that comes to my mind is, well, what the hell are we going to do about it? I mean, yeah. it's like, why do we want to continue to live this way? And and which your passage clearly represents that. It delineates the overall aspect that history repeats itself over and over and over again. And you got to figure out a way to get out of that cycle. Mm-hmm. But before we kind of get too far into this, I mean, there's just so many things I want to talk about. And of course, today's Friday, right? You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm kind of wound up like a $2 bill, as people say, Greg, you got a lot of energy. It's Friday afternoon. We have to get you a drink. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I think the first thing that I like to kind of, you know, get our get our audience uh, embodied on is is really your kind of backstory. You know, you started to experience the the conflict, as I want to say it, very early on in mm-hmm. life between like the Palestinian and the Israeli conflict. And, and you begin to identify what I what I would consider, you know, in, in this discourse on the identity of what is important and what is not. So as we talk about some of these things, which I know they're in the book, but I want you to kind of explain to our listeners today, you know, what was the perception uh, that you saw you know, as you as you started to collect these things through your early life's journey that begin to help you realize that this this overall educational need is really something that it needs to be expanded. It needs to be expanded upon so that there's more of the masses that can really understand and kind of get themselves educated. It's funny because if we want to talk about the Palestinian context and like the Palestinian-Israeli conflict in general, mm-hmm. it's a non-ending or none even like it, it started since before we were born. It's a very long history, mm-hmm. and you grew up in that environment. It's just become so normal to experience tear gas bombs like on weekly basis or just to have, um, you know, see gunfire and all of that. It becomes normal. It really Mm -hmm. is. Like even if something here, for example, let's say explodes, which has happened before (laughs) in the U S people would freak out. And to me, there's no reaction. It's just so normal. But Mm -hmm. The difference between me and other Palestinians is that I've realized, no, it should not be normal. I should not live like that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then it's sad because still many Palestinians haven't, haven't figured that out yet. To that, mm-hmm. this is how life has been and this is how it's going to continue. But it really shouldn't. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I totally, totally agree with you. I uh, I've been in that country uh, on a many, many occasions, particularly um, back during my military service. But, uh, you know, to have to live what I would consider to be in a situation of heightened awareness, you know, where you're not your mind's not at rest and you always believe that something's going to happen. You know, you you just Mm -hmm. live under such an emotional duress that it's almost impossible to feel the sense of freedom, the sense of comfort, the sense of security. And, you know, that's really no way 
to live. And so if you don't mind me asking, were did you migrate over from Palestine, uh, Palestine before you came to the US or 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 share with us a little bit about that that part of your life? Um, so basically, um, I've been in the U.S. for two years and a half uh, as mm-hmm. a student. So I'm just studying in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, um, I'm expected to go back <laughs> again to the very <laughs> not free like life, you know, like just right. going back to getting used to like, oh, wait, I can't move freely now because uh, there are walls, um, there are checkpoints, uh, there are so many things that you have to think about. And in my head, I'm just trying to not process all of that so that I can survive, you know? (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, I'm sure, you know, at at least to try to, you know, bring this into uh, a context of, of where my audience will understand, you know, I'm sure that, you know, by you being here in the States and, and like you said, you, you have a sense of security and freedom, uh, you know, to a certain extent, you know, you can, you can walk out of your house without having to worry about someone who's going to throw a tear gas, yeah. uh, 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 type bomb, you know, towards you or, or anything like that, or having to always be prepared with the gas mask to having to be able to turn that switch back on, mm-hmm. you know, what that reminds me of is it's, it's almost like how they train, you know, military soldiers is, you know, you, you are really never at rest because like I said, you're always at a a sense of heightened, you know, alert and acuity when it comes to being aware of what's going on around your surroundings. And so, so here you are in the U S you're a student, you're in school and you're kind of enjoying a sense of peace of mind. And then, like you said, you know, in in another couple months or so you're back over, you know, I have to think that that has got to be the most scariest type of situation that one could ever deal with (laughs) when knowing that, you know, it shouldn't be like this. Yes, it's it's very, I'm actually in that period because I am graduating in two months, right? So Mm -hmm. I am going to do an internship and so on, but I still know that eventually I have to come back and just... Now, it's that period of time where we're realizing, oh, my God, yes, it's going to happen again, right? And it's just, I really don't want it to happen because it is scary and I still have to go through it. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers um, are with you, you know, at, at every step of your bravery and courage as you have to step back into that environment. Uh, certainly, I know that uh, it's, it's not an easy task, uh, but but definitely uh, we're there with you in spirit. And uh, we wish, you know, most most definitely the safety for you and your family and your extended family um, while, while you're there. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I think one of the things that that, uh, you know, for me, as I started to kind of gravitate towards 
all of the the stereotypical things that that are out there regarding discrimination, you know, I, I and and I guess it's one of the things that I found, you know, from a standpoint of 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 kind of reading some of the passage in your book was the fact that it goes so much further than the color of skin. I mean, now the you know the national the nationalism, the religious uh, aspect of it, and then so forth and so on. And I just I just couldn't even begin to get my head wrapped around a lot of this because, you know, there is a there's a definition that, you know, is kind of utilized here in America, whether, you know, they say you're in or out, you know, or 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 which side of the click are you, you know, falling upon? You know, are you in the circle? Are you out of the circle? But in the context of that being based on color, you know, that being based on who you are, your DNA makeup, so forth and so on. But regardless, irregardless of the DNA makeup, based on what your book kind of portrays, you know, it comes down to all these other things. And, you know, I found it to be quite eye-opening that if you were one side of the fence or the other, regardless of what you look like, I mean, there was discrimination. Uh, I even read in there where there was like Afro-Palestinians, which was, you know, uh, a very minimalistic uh, type of community where there wasn't that many, which they also received just a, a huge outcast of of discrimination. And then you just, you, like I said, you just have the nationalists and the, and, the, and the religion and all these other things that are really thrown into it. Yeah. So, so my question to you is when, when you're experiencing that firsthand, is that like being in the middle of the most chaotic situation? I mean, I, I've been in some chaotic situations. They're called like hurricanes. But I mean, in this particular case, I mean, what is that like? You know, I mean, you've, you've, you've lived it. You've grown up in it. What is that really like? Uh, in Palestine, I can still be considered not like not a minority. I am a minority because I am a Christian, which is not like a big deal. When you tell somebody here in the U.S. that oh you were born Christian, they would look at you like oh wait there are Christians in the Middle East, or they would ask you how did you convert, right? Mm-hmm. So, but they don't know that there's quite a big number of like Christians, even Palestinian Jews, and so on. Like th- these stories are never really heard mm-hmm. and then there's also that side that's not really a minority but you know growing up as a woman in the middle east that's definitely not easy and until today i still struggle with it because i can't make my own decisions the community has to make the decisions for me because if the community doesn't then that turns me into what simone de beauvoir refers to as a bad woman only because mm-hmm. i want to make my own decisions right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it just like, it's part of who you are. And that's the thing that has to change. Like, it shouldn't be part of who I am. Because I am my own self. I am an individual. I don't have to be uh, rooted in a community that discriminates against other minorities or just people who are different in general. Like, th- the line has to be cut here. And mm-hmm. we can we can keep going living on like this, right? But 
I just hope for the younger generation who is more aware of this type of discrimination that is all around us. I'm just hoping that this generation makes a change, even if it takes 100, 200, 300 years, at least the future generation, like the very far future generation won't have to deal with what I had to deal with. Sure. I know that other Palestinians even suffer more than me because they can belong to an LGBT community. They can be an Afro-Palestinian. They can be a Jewish, uh, something else. I don't know. It's just like there's always discrimination. Right, right. Yeah, that's... uh... You know, just just listening to you speak, and 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 that was the one thing that I I didn't mention earlier when you know I was thinking about some of the things that you know you're really having to be faced with. You know, here women have the ability to um, control their own destiny per se. I mean, you see women running companies and so forth and so on. Um, you know, I can't. Even though I've been there and I've seen it firsthand, you know, sometimes I just can't fathom the um, circumstances of of being what I would consider to be very subservient to, you know, the the ecosystem of this is how it has to be because you're a female. I mean, that that to me, like you said, it's been ingrained for thousands of years and you know, it just seems like it that culture has never really moved beyond that. But it it's it's really heart wrenching that you know everyone's not really considered equal to some extent. Because I'm sure there's a lot of capable, you know, very intelligent um, uh, females over there that that obviously can do the job better, that can probably run the companies better, and probably really you know, govern better than, than some of the things that have gone on um, there presently. But that, all of that is is rather interesting because of the simple fact that it's 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 like being thrown into, like I said, a hurricane and in, 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 in another simple term of using being tossed about in a washing machine like like dirty clothes, you know, because uh, it's a cycle that never ends. And uh, it's, it's really, really heart wrenching. So. As we've talked about the fact that, you know, there should be no discrimination against language, people, the way they speak, color or skin or religion, you know, discrimination has a lot of layers, which we've talked about all these different layers, but it makes it very tough, right? It makes it extremely tough for if you are in the category or in any one of these categories, really to get what I consider to be a leg up or a fair opportunity to be able to move forward. And so my question to you at this point in time is, even after your education is completed and you go back and you say you come back for an opportunity for internship, do you ever find that your cycle of being able to break free is something that you are in control of your own destiny or is it or is it not in your control to fulfill the obligations or dreams that you may have and i would have to say and i may be wrong but you would be looking for those type of uh, fulfillments outside of palestine yeah if i'm honest with you when i wrote the book in my head 
I can make my own destiny, right? Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, because of my graduation and all of that, I had to face the reality. And I realized, no, there are things outside my control that I have no control over. Um, for example, my family wants me back, even though I want to break the cycle. I just can't because I will make them sad. Now you might say, well, you are 24 tomorrow. Like, don't you think you can make your own decisions and just like you're a grown woman Mm -hmm. and for them? No, I'm not. Because again, um, there are societal constraints and I mean, I want to break them, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to break my family. Does that make sense? Because I I still care about my family, even though they don't know what's really best for me. They argue, no, we know what's best for you, but they really don't. They just like care about what the society might say. And this is not something you would worry about here. Like, oh, where did that girl go? Doesn't she have parents? Uh, um, Why does she want to stay abroad? What does she want to do that she can't do back home? And so on. These are Mm -hmm. the questions that my family has to face. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. yeah, sometimes you can't like, follow the direction that you created for your own self. And it's very, very sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I can kind of relate to that to, to a certain extent, you know, with regards to the cultural rules and as what I would, as what, how I would phrase it is never go against your family code, Mm -hmm. you know, because, they don't want to have um, things casted upon them from the community because yeah. they had a child or or sibling that has gone off and done something that doesn't fall in the jurisdiction of what they consider to be the norm. Mm-hmm. And and even when we know that that may not be for all uh, best intensive and intensive purposes for for the individual, it still makes it very hard to live with a burden of knowing that this is a place that you don't actually really fit in. Yeah. And my and and my story goes like this, you know, with um, myself being <clears throat> married you know, to uh, a beautiful wife and how closely knit her family is uh, with regards to everything that, you know, occurs inside of, of, of Peru, you know, there's certain traditional things that, you know, y- you have to either know about or know how to, you know, kind of navigate the uncharted waters in yeah. a way that it provides you know, the highest possible means of respect so that the family is is in your court to support you when you make those decisions. And I know for you, it's got to be tough because, you know, I'm a big follower of you on on uh, on your IG page, you know, since since we've made contact and I see all the great things you're doing with promoting your book and and trying to, uh, you know, get your message out there to the world. And uh, I would imagine that when you go back to Palestine, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult to really kind of engage at the level of engagement that you currently have going on right now, uh, which is, 
which is obviously going to, uh, it, it, it's really going to, it's going to, it's going to hinder you, you know, I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's going to hinder you. It will. And, 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 uh, you know, I, um, you know, I, I guess I can say at, at this point, you know, it's a, it's a tough situation and, you know, those are, are certainly shoes that are big shoes to fill and, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, our, our heart and admiration certainly goes out to you for, for what you have to endure, you know, and I know there's a lot of people out there that, that deal with difficulty and they deal with adversities and they deal with change, um, and, and, and just all the different things that we're kind of talking about that embodies discrimination now. Yeah. But like I said, you're, you're, you're out of the washing machine now, and then you're going to go back into it and then you come back out. And I mean, that, that is, uh, that's an, that's a, that's an interesting life to live. I mean, that's just a real interesting life to live. So, so, uh, tomorrow, I mean, we, we've covered a lot and, you know, the fact of making change, not only on a personal level, but also on a global global level, you know, I think I want to dive into the fact that, you know, on a personal level, you know, as you as you've alluded to with the things that are going on yeah. um, in in your own uh, ecosystem and family and community, uh, how do you see that evolving? How do you see you know yourself? kind of moving forward, will you ever find happiness knowing that you have this hindrance, you know, and, and this, this, this knack of discrimination that is occurring that is really stopping you from being fulfilled? I mean, how do you get to that point in your life? So because you realize all these things, it becomes hard to be happy. So if you think about it, the only solution is to lie to yourself, right? Even though that can take you mentally into dark places, but really you kind of have to lie to yourself. And uh, that's what I'm going to be doing. (laughs) Well, well, so I'm going to sway this conversation just a little bit, just, just, just one question. And I'm I'm just going to ask, if you were to find someone here in America that that you know I don't know maybe you know you you're you're dating you have a boyfriend or whatever you fell in love and and you guys are talking about the future and marriage and so forth and so on would that be received well back in your in your community I really don't think so um because first of all that would mean um either me staying away from my family and my society, which is not okay for neither my family or my society. Second of all, um, uh, it's it's like it depends. Who are they? Are they from a different religion? Are they from a different race? Are they from? Which to me does not like that's the last thing I care about, right? But mm-hmm. it's not the case for the society I live in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've read that story because um, I talk about, for example, my Christian friend who fell in love with a Muslim, and that's he's also Palestinian, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she, her family basically disowned her, um, but because she chose to be with the man she loved, even though he's from a different religion. Um, 
and she's not the only one. My other friend, also same thing, different religions. She had to basically leave Palestine and live somewhere else. And she's still waiting for her lover to come to her. And the the whole government is involved in her story. They're basically issuing papers that is not allowing him to travel to see her. And it the cycle keeps going. It just doesn't stop. And that's why I was so scared to do any of this. First of all, uh, I'm not really allowed to date or see anyone because I'm just, uh, I have to tell my family about the person. And that means I have to get engaged. That means I have to get married. And I'm really not someone who is thinking of that right now because I have what I would call like things that I'm more interested in at the moment. Sure. And um, yeah, so like I'm actually scared to do any of that because I don't want to basically make my family unhappy. So yeah, it's probably not okay for me to do that. And I, if I did, I would be terrified to talk to my parents about this stuff. Right. Right. Wow. Wow. That's uh, yeah. man. Don't forget a story that inspired me to write this book was about a woman or my friend and my classmate who was murdered because she went out with her fiance to have dinner and she posted about it on her story. So this, these things are not okay. Like they're, they're dangerous in a way and you don't want to make any mistakes because that can literally lead to your own death. So. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little speechless. I've only been speechless on this show maybe once before, but uh, listening to you explain, you know, the criticality of, actions and decisions and the things that really imply how difficult it is based on how discrimination to the high the highest point of extremity really hinders you know one's ability to prosper and life is all about yeah. prosperity and when you can't have a sense of prosperity, and we're not talking fortune and fame, we're just talking simplistic living. freedom, living. Exactly. That's right. Just living. You know, when you're when you're robbed of that, it's like taking your soul. Yeah. And 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 oh my God. I mean, man, I mean that that that's uh that's a tough one for me to swallow. I mean, that's, that's why I said I've only been speechless on, on my podcast once before, but, but man, that's, that's really hard to digest. And so, you know, as we've talked about this on a personal level, on a global level, yeah, with regards to some of the things that you kind of led into in the book about the eradication of capitalism yeah. and, and some of the other things. Because where it's, do you, go, it's really go all is rooted in capitalism. If you think about it now, mm-hmm. it's, 
uh, I don't actually like to talk about this, especially here in the U.S., because everybody just disagrees with me. I don't know why Americans are so in love with capitalism, even though when it is the root problem to everything. If you think mm -hmm. about it, Israel was based on capitalistic reasons, uh, even though they like the Israeli government used the religious argument. Um, I completely disagree with it because we had like Jewish tribes in Palestine. Mm -hmm. like, and it's not even about religion and that's why sometimes so many Palestinians are accused of anti-Semitism but it's really not about that at all Right. Uh, the root problem is capitalism if you think about the rich and the poor the basic thing related to capitalism um, you know in the US homeless people are everywhere and it is okay to have that and it's mm -hmm. not it's really not okay but it's like It seems to me as an outsider here that it's totally fine to have homeless people. In my culture, I mean, we're bad in so many ways, but at least we don't really allow homeless people or just people living in the streets. Like, it's inhumane. But here, it's normal. And um, if you really, really think about it, just mention any issue. And if you really deeply think about it, it is rooted in capitalism. Like, uh, let me try to think of an example. Well, there's plenty of examples that have just recently happened here in the U.S., not only things that have occurred, you know, last year, but things that have just occurred here recently. You know, I mean, I live here in the great state of Texas, and, you know, it is considered to be one of the energy states yeah. of the union. But yet, you know, we have Arctic freezing temperature and you can't get power to yeah. several millions of people because you've got capitalism that mm -hmm. really is associated cool. with people wanting to have individual individual electrical companies or individual power grids or individual this where the federal government is not overseeing that. So to me, there's a prime example. I'm not saying to any extent that I disagree with you. I do acknowledge the fact that there is some merit to what you are stating. And, you know, it is, it is really, like I said earlier in the opening aspect of us talking about this, it is really a part of the kind of the continental divide that we have that has really separated our race, you know, and our, and our, and our, you know, humanity here in America is based on, you know, a, a lot of things like you've stated around capitalism, because when you look at, you know, the things that I mentioned earlier, you know, when you talk about inequality based on employment, housing, <laughs> wide range of salary and social domains yeah. and other interests. I mean, you know, how how do certain uh, cultural groups uh, continue to advance because they keep passing these traits down through generation to generation and to generation, mm -hmm. and they're not really prepared to share or open up the floodgates or, or, yeah. or, or see a better way where everyone can prosper. And you're right. I mean, yeah, it is accepted, you know, here that there are, there are homeless people, but I'm going to give you an example. You know, I have seen time and time again, when I go to Vegas, where the homeless people that I see out there sometimes, and you actually have some type of just genuine conversation with them, you will find that these people either they had great paying jobs mm -hmm. and something happened in the overall, you know, um, uh, economy that that robbed them of, of whatever or or uh, maybe they had a gambling problem or whatever the case may be. 
but it just became a very vicious cycle for them that never ended and it and it and it landed them pretty much you know poor or broke mm-hmm. now i'm not saying that that's the case for everyone but i mean you know i've seen it in california i've seen it in a lot of other places where uh, i was in um i was in stanford you know um uh, several years back um you know just outside the university there mm-hmm. and I come out of a restaurant with some constituents of mine and we're on our way back to the hotel. We're walking and it was the funniest thing to me. This guy had on a pair of like Louis Vuitton shoes and a pair of, you know, nice jeans and this. And I'm wearing like just a regular polo shirt and a pair of jeans and tennis shoes. And and my other constituents was we're all dressed casual. And this guy looks at all of us and he's dressed like a hundred times better than us. And he says, can you guys afford any change? I, I, I need some change. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this guy going, what kind of crap is this? You obviously are making plenty of money, you know, and you're looking at us like we're going to give you a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. And to me, it was kind of like one of those reverse, you know, discrimination type things, because I was thinking to myself, like, now, how could you possibly come to us knowing that most of the time people that uh, are, are willing to do things like that? are going to do it out of the kindness of their heart. Yeah. We're not going to stop and assess. In this particular case, we stopped and we assessed and we said no. And uh, it was just it was just a darnest thing. And, you know, I and even to this day, I mean, that was probably some 15 years ago when that happened. But, you know, I still recollect that story that this guy at the time that he was asking us for change probably went around the corner and hopped in his Mercedes Benz and drove to his multi-million dollar house somewhere there in the hills and said, oh my God, you know, I made a few extra dollars today. But but that's just the nature of, of society here, yeah. you know, as, as to how things work. I mean, it, it's, it's never fair. It's never yeah, fair it's never for fair. the masses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, <laughs> you went into, uh, I wanted to say something, but I totally forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, the idea of capitalism, the funny thing is that I like people here argue with me that, oh, but this is the system and we got used to it and it's impossible to change. But I mean, it's hard. It's not going to change because the people who started exploiting others to make money, and that is my biggest problem with capitalism. They're going to keep doing it, you know? And yeah. uh, I think all people have to be aware of this. And what I don't under, like, what I don't really understand is that some people here in the U.S., they grow up poor and uh, they know that there's something wrong with the system, yet they mm-hmm. say, no, 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 no. Capitalism is important. And they would read my book. They grew up very poor. They read my book and they tell me, I I agree with some of the things in your book, but that point on capitalism, I really don't think I agree with you. It's not important. Don't mention it. And just coming from somebody who grew up poor, who the system couldn't help, Mm -hmm. it's just mind blowing to me. Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's always a fine balance. And to me, in order to achieve any type of equality, per se, or unity or togetherness, we have to be willing to, you know, 
put aside our differences. We have to be willing to come to the table in a neutral context and really be able to roll our sleeves up and do the work. And I think in a lot of cases, that's never the case because, you know, people always have a preconceived notion that I want to get more than what this guy's going to get. I want to make sure that they have less than me. You know, I want them to live and- that's and, the mentality that kills me. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, tomorrow, I mean, this this is uh my God, this this conversation has been uh it's been blood boiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it really doesn't end if you t- if like if I'm honest with you. Like I can keep talking about this all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what are some of the takeaways that you'd like to leave for our listeners? Because obviously, you know, our listeners are going to listen to this and they're going to be like thinking to themselves, what a a difficult situation that you are facing, you know, in, in the flip-flopping back and forth between your educational um, uh, period of time and then, of course, going back to your native country. And, and of course, um, you know, what are, what are some of the things that, that really you would just like to kind of leave on the table for people to say, these are things you should really consider as you consider how discrimination hinders change. So I'm going to mention two main points. Okay. The first one is, again, focusing on the very personal individual level, like looking at ourselves and saying, oh, there's something wrong here. How can I fix it? How can I be better? How can I, you know, just do things better for the people around me. And this one is really hard because sometimes you're unaware. You might need your friends to tell you, I think you could be better in this area. And I make sure my personal friends, they tell me that, like, how can I be better in this field? How can I be better in that field? And even me, I, everybody, we all make mistakes the whole time. We can judge other people because what if we grow up in a certain way that it becomes so hard to change, but we have to defy that. So like, what can I do to make myself better and make people's life easier around me? Like, myself and the people around me that's the first thing okay second one um and it's also an advice to my own self is to actually do it take the first step initiate the change and uh i'm in a point where i can just give in and say oh this is what the society wants me to do but i should defy the rules and sometimes defying the rules is for for the better of the people who will follow you and somebody has to break the cycle at some point so like be the one to break the cycle yeah well we certainly thank you for for sharing that with us and uh you know this book is is really powerful based on you know some of the folks that have that have really kind of provided you with the accolades that you know, this is kind of a a must read. And certainly, you know, one of the things that really resonates for me is where it's quoted that this book is for those who reject discrimination 
against the marginalized and wish to make a difference. Coming together and discussing history, identity, trauma, and the notion of religion, women, race, sexual orientation, and class should change us all for the better. Yes. Now, man, you know, I... I certainly would highly recommend for those uh, that are interested in in reading tomorrow's book, and I would would not do this whole podcast any justice if I didn't ask, how can people obtain a copy of your book? Uh, the book is available on any online platform where you can buy books, basically. So um, Ingram, Kobo, uh, and mostly Amazon. Um, that's where you can get a paperback or the ebook as well. It will be available in an audiobook soon. So that's, um, that's actually good news. I'm excited to do that. I'll be the one narrating my book. So I'm excited to do that. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice. And when, it, when is that due to release? Um, I'm guessing in the summer, so it will be on Audible. Okay. Okay. Well, we certainly appreciate uh, you being on board um, our program today. We certainly appreciate, you know, um, all of the insight and things that you've shared with us regarding such a an interesting, interesting topic uh, to discuss, particularly when we look at it through a different lens, mm -hmm. you know. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly appreciate you sharing that insight um, with us. And, you know, as we begin to wrap up again, you know, we wish you well um, and all the best in, in your traveling and in your studies. And we certainly hope that you continue to put the word of how discrimination hinders change out into the world and hopefully um, be able to render your legacy and fulfill some of your destiny by enjoying some of the fruits of your labor yourself. That's and with all of that, well, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And with, uh, with that being said, you know, um, this is this has been powerful. I mean, uh, it's like I said, it's been blood boiling. It's been uh, it's been one of those type of discussions. And this has been episode 99. I am your host, Gregory Proctor. Episode entitled Discrimination Hinders Change. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, as I always say at the end of every program, you know, let's maintain peace unity, togetherness, empathy, and compassion for all in order for us to make this world a better place. Thank you very much, everyone. Take care. Thank you tomorrow. Thank and bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.